right. Hey, let's thank our worship team and our tech team this morning for all they are doing to make this outdoor service possible. We don't do this very often, and so you can imagine the preparation that goes into it. And Pastor Mark, your team, and the tech crew that's here, we're so grateful for you serving us uh, this morning so that we can really give glory to the Lord. Hey, this is our anniversary service. Our church is now 11 years old. How about that? I wonder, is there anyone in the crowd who is 11 years old? Raise your hand if you're 11. Stand up if you're 11 years old and turn around and everyone look, this is how old our church is. We're this old. We're not even a teenager yet. I can't wait for our church to become a teenager. We're gonna get rowdy, am I right? We're gonna get moody. We're gonna develop an attitude problem. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it just illustrates for you how young of a work this truly is. And I wanted to begin by just telling you a little bit of our story because I, I don't know if you have heard the story of Anchor Church Payless, but uh, my wife and I got married in the year 2000. And when we got married, neither of us thought I was gonna be a pastor, but we helped the church to launch out in the western suburbs of Chicago. And that church was just a true startup work. We tried to claw our way to 30 people and 50 people and 60 people. And Lauren started the kids ministry and I started the youth ministry and we were really fired up. And so that pastor one day asked me, hey, have you ever thought about becoming a pastor? And I was like, no. <laughs> and so after a few years, God made it clear that he was laying it on my heart, on Lauren's heart to enter into ministry. So we, we uh, in 2002, I became a part-time youth pastor. In 2004, I became a full-time pastor, and I started going to Moody Bible Institute to get my master's degree. By the time I was finishing up my degree, uh, around uh, 2007, I, I, we started praying, okay, God, what do you have for us next? And we surrendered to go anywhere in the world that God would have us, or to stay, if he wanted us to stay there. And God opened up a door for us to receive some training uh, at a bigger church in the area to become church planters. I remember when I was at a conference and I the, they had a section called church planting and I sat in the whole time my heart was just pounding as if God was getting me excited about this. And I went up to the man who led that section and I said, I think God's calling me to plant a church. And then I was like, what did I just say? Where did that come from? It's like the spirit just pushed it out of me. And later that night I called Lauren and I said, I think our lives just changed for the better. And uh, so then I went home, we started talking about it. So in 2008, we started receiving training to be church planners and entering that program meant we surrendered to go wherever they sent us. They were talking about sending us to Maine, to Alabama, to Las Vegas. Now I had owned an Elvis costume at one point in my life, so Vegas wouldn't have been too bad. But we didn't know where we were gonna go. And uh, shortly into that training phase, they said, wait, you're from the Payless area? We said, yeah. They said, we wanna put a church down there. So they sent us back to our hometown. And in January of 2009, we had our very first meeting to promote this new church thing that we were gonna launch. And a bunch of people came to Trinity Christian College to find out about a brand new church. And then from January through September, a team formed that would launch this brand new church. We didn't have anything. We didn't own anything. We didn't, we didn't know anybody. We just started building a team to launch a new church. And we have some of those people, several of those people still as a part of our congregation now. If you were a part of our launch team, will you please stand up right now? If you were one of those uh, 40 adults or 60, if you combine it with the teens and the kids, 
Let's give these people a big round of applause. Members of our launch team, still among us. They worked tirelessly. Last night at dinner, Lauren and I spent just over an hour just reminiscing on who God sent us and how uh, we've met a lot of people since our launch days, and we've met a lot of great people, but few people have matched our original launch team in their commitment to making this church go, their dedication, their endurance, their hard work. God sent some of his very best people um, early on. And we worked really hard, and then we launched the church September 13, 2009. Over 300 people showed up to our first service, which is unbelievable. And so um, how many of you, stand up if you started attending Anchor Church during our first year at that building by Maureen Valley College. Stand up if you started attending at some point during that very first year uh, at that building by Maureen Valley um, Community College. Uh, you're, you're, I was joking with our baptism candidates today because the first baptistry was made out of brick and tile. And so if I made one wrong move, you came up with a head injury. <laughs> but that building, we rented. You go ahead and sit back down. We rented that building, and then we outgrew it. So then we had to move to Stag High School. And my old high school, which is pretty cool because I wasn't a Christian when I attended there. So I got to baptize people in my old swimming pool at Stag High School. I was on the Hickory Willow swim team. And there I am now baptizing people in the old pool. How many of you stand up if you started attending Anchor Church when we were at Stag High School? How many of you started good stand up if you started attending when we were at Stag High School? All right, great. See, every step of faith we took, you can go ahead and be seated. More people started coming along. And then we started a building search, and in 2014, we purchased this building and totally renovated it. We did a phase one, and then we just completed a phase two recently, put this addition on. Uh, stand up if you started coming since we were in this building. Stand up if you started coming to Anchor Church since we entered this building from 2014 on. And you can see the next wave came, and you, and here's the point. You, you folks who are here now, you can be seated really owe a great debt of gratitude to everyone in, ahead of you who took that next step of faith, that next step of faith, from, from the launch team to the folks who launched out of that first building to the stag folks who made it possible to buy this building. And we're all celebrating together, regardless of when we started coming here today, that God has seen us through 11 wild years. We launched in a recession, we just survived a pandemic, and we're still here. Great is the Lord. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for being here and all those who are watching online who aren't able to be here in person. We're going to go into the word of the Lord today in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. So you can open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. We are making our way verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And in chapter 5, verse 15, we are going to learn today what it means to walk in wisdom. The theme of walking with God permeates the book in Ephesians. In chapter 4, verse 1, the apostle Paul, the author, said we, we are to walk in unity. In chapter 4, verse 17, he said we are to walk in holiness. In chapter 5, verse 1, he says we are to walk in love. In chapter 5, verse 7 to 8, last week we learned we are to walk in light, in unity, in holiness, in love, in light. And today we're going to learn what it means to walk with God in wisdom. Hey, how should we relate to God? How should we relate to our fellow Christians? How should we relate to the world around us? Friends, we have to walk in wisdom. 
Let's pray, and then we'll learn from God's word today. Father in heaven, thank you for this beautiful anniversary day. You have been faithful. We don't forget your many blessings. We don't forget the many roads you have walked us down. We don't forget the many challenges and opportunities that we together as a congregation have come upon, and you have proved faithful to everything you've promised. So we just pray that you would fill us with joy again today, Jesus, as we see glory in your church for the lives that have been transformed. Meet us right now in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, in chapter 5, verse 15, here's what it says. Look carefully then, everybody say carefully. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always. And for everything, to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The first thing you can write down if you're taking notes is walk wisely. Walk wisely. Therefore, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. We are to walk wisely, and we're to do that by looking carefully. The idea is watching our steps by tracing our course all around where we are. This is not just a you command. This is an us command. We are to walk carefully. When we took the kids on a great western trip a few years ago, we went through the Rockies, and we, we hiked some trails in the mountains, and we found some waterfalls and streams, and we climbed up some rocks, some boulders, some ridges, some ledges, and my kids were younger, and we kept saying, be careful, because we're in the mountains. That idea of walking carefully is a metaphor for how we are supposed to live. We're supposed to live so, so carefully. Lauren and I have been to the Grand Canyon several times. We haven't been all the way down, but we've been about halfway down into the, the Grand Canyon. We've been to, uh, we've been to uh, Ooh-Ah Point, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon. Ooh-Ah Point, where you walk down about a quarter of the way, and then you keep going, and you get about half of the way down, and then they start naming the points after, like, death, like death outlook, skull crossing, and, it's, and they're trying to scare you, right? But when you're walking into the Grand Canyon, you are watching where you're going, because it's a long, long way down. Just when you think you've got it, then there's suddenly horses coming up, and then you're like up against the wall as they walk right past you. This is the idea. We have to be so, so careful. Hey, God wants you to be careful with where you've been. He wants you to look carefully where you are. He wants you to be so cautious with where you are heading right now. We all know the feeling of suddenly realizing we haven't been paying attention while walking or driving, am I right? You bump into somebody or trip on something or somebody beeps at you, right? We have to be careful. A woman in Los Angeles recently was taking a selfie in a museum, an art museum, and she knocked over $200,000 worth of art because she wasn't watching where she was going while taking a selfie. We have to watch where we're going. Maybe you heard me tell this story before, but I was at a family event. 
There were a lot of people. It was a formal event. We were all dressed up. We were outside, and they had tents, and every, the tables were set nicely, but they set up a chocolate fountain. Have you, raise your hand if you've ever seen a chocolate fountain. You walk up to the chocolate fountain, and you can, they've got marshmallows and fruit, and you just put it in the chocolate. It's like a chocolate waterfall, and then you get to eat it. And so I kept going up to the chocolate fountain time and again. And I went up to the chocolate fountain once, and I grabbed a marshmallow, and I covered it in chocolate, and then... Uh, I took a step back and somebody else walked up. It was his turn and the chocolate fountain started to tip. The whole thing started to tip and he reached and caught it just as it fell over. And the poor guy was wearing a bright white dress shirt. And he caught the chocolate fountain. And then the host ran up and she tipped it back up with him and then she started wiping him off with napkins. And as I looked down, I realized that I had stepped on the cord and knocked over the chocolate fountain. And I looked back up, and I turned and walked away. <laughs> I said nothing. I just ate my chocolate-covered marshmallow because I wasn't being careful. We have to be careful. We have to be careful how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise. A wise walk means to live in a way that honors God. Walking means living, and living means where we are spending our time, our energy, where our attention flows, and then, and then that reveals our true goals and our desires and the longings of our heart. Uh, our relationships, who we're around and what we're doing, all of that equals our walk. And generally speaking, we follow what we love. We walk toward what our heart treasures most. We talk about what our heart most longs for. And so the wise life will include relationships, time, energy, and talk, all centering on things that glorify God. And the foolish life will all center on time, energy, talk, and relationships that disregards God. A wise walk, according to the book of Proverbs, it's as if God hands you a compass. And he wants you to follow where his word is pointing you. And if God's word says it's time to go left and the world tells you it's time to go right, you're going to make a choice. The wise person consistently in their relationships, at work, at home, in their marriage, in their parenting, uh, with their finances, the wise person follows God's word very carefully. And the worldly foolish person walks away from the will of God. And whatever the world directs them to is what they're after. We are to walk not as unwise, but as wise. The fool in the book of Proverbs has no desire to walk God's way. The fool doesn't love God, and the fool doesn't love God's law. There are many Proverbs about the fool. In Proverbs 10, 23, it says, doing wrong is like a joke to the fool. And people who just don't care about a godly lifestyle, who think it's hilarious, those church nerds who try to please God. They're so goody too. People who mock the things of God are called fools. There's another proverb in 1316 that says a fool flaunts his folly, meaning he doesn't just do foolish things. He flaunts it, showcases it, glamorizes it, brags about it. A fool flaunts 
his folly. And in Proverbs 26, 11, the grossest psalm in the Bible, or proverb in the Bible, it says, like a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. How many of you have dogs? Raise your hand up if you have dogs. How many of you have dogs who have had upset tummies before? And we've got a puppy, so my hand is up. And has your dog had a little accident with an upset tummy? And then suddenly they think they found a snack. Raise your hand if that's happened, where you're like, oh, you poor puppy, get away from that! <laughs> it's so gross! Listen, the life of the fool is described that way in the book of Proverbs. It's like an upset stomach leads to an accident and then you go back for a snack. It's supposed to be disgusting. We're to walk wisely. So let me ask you a question. As you look back over the past few years of your life, can you honestly say that you have been carefully walking with Jesus Christ? Or have you been carelessly walking without Jesus Christ? Have you been carefully walking in line with God's word or have you been carelessly walking away from God's word. Maybe it's time today for a course correction. Maybe it's time today for a life redirection. Maybe today's the day you reroute your relationship with God. Hey, look carefully. Then it goes on to say this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So number two, you can jot this down. Make the best use of the time. Number one, walk wisely. Number two, make the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time is more than just time management. It's more than just, oh, I've got some errands to run. It means that you're ordering your life in a way that you're investing in the things that glorify God. You're putting spiritual priorities first. That phrase, making the best use of the time, there's a few great nuances in the original Greek. Um, it can take on the form of like, buy them all up. So, so like, grab them all. Buy them all because they are so valuable. How many of you like hot sauce? Raise your hand if you like hot sauce. And the hotter the better. So Tabasco, a few years ago, came out with a hotter hot sauce. It was called scorpion sauce. And it was 20 times hotter than their normal hot sauce. And get this, it sold out immediately because, because people wanted to try it. Everyone had to try it. So they bought all of them up. They bought all of them and there were none left. Now that idea of finding something that's so valuable to you that you grab them all before they get away is how we are supposed to view the individual moments God gives us. They are precious. They're, dis they're, they're, they're fleeting. And so we are supposed to grab them all in a way that glorifies God. There's also the idea of rescuing them from loss. So we're, we're buying them all. Or another uh, phrase that comes out of this could be rescuing them from loss. We recognize their rarity and the danger of losing them. And so we want to rescue them from being wasted. Now, we've enjoyed more time home than ever before in 2020 because of quarantine. But I have a feeling if we did a survey and said, how many of us feel like we've actually finally given all the time we want to family or all the time we want to faith 
or all the time we want to finishing those books and strengthening our minds, I have a feeling we would say, uh-uh. I think we've been given more time in 2020 to use than any year before, and I think that a lot of it was wasted. I think a lot of it got away. I think a lot of it was spent on things that were not our very best. And that's because time naturally flows downward without any spiritual commitments. We give our time to more screens or more worrying or more news or more hysteria and less to God and less to family and less to wellness. We have to rescue time from loss. Let's face it, this is a reality for all of us. If we're not intentional, our time will get away from us and then we'll wonder where it all went. In Psalm 90 verse 12, Moses said this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom is directly tied to carefully marking where our time is going, where our commitments are going. And even uh, Socrates said this, beware the barrenness of a busy life. Meaning you're spending time, but it's not invested wisely. Hey, based on the brevity of this life and the permanence of the next life, we should give every, every moment a job that serves our Savior. And every week we must guard our calendar from the invasion of worldly life wasters. Let me ask you this question. This fall, are you planning to make the best use of your time? Are you ready to make spiritual commitments that are wise? Our adults are now going to be meeting Tuesday nights from 6.30 to 8 o'clock here at the building or online. We've paused small groups because it's so difficult to try and keep smaller groups of people who are online and in person together and to keep those leaders effective, especially when somebody could get sick and they'll need two weeks off just as a precaution. So we've decided medium groups are better. And so here at the building, we'll have a group Tuesday nights for adults. Men will meet this Tuesday. Women will start the following Tuesday and they'll meet on alternating weeks. It's gonna be safe, it'll mirror a restaurant-like experience where everyone needs a mask to get in and then once you're seated at your table, then you can take it off. We will have a section where masks will be required if you want to be safe and we'll offer those online as well. Hey, are you going to use your time wisely and make those adult ministry meetings a priority? Are you going to come and gather with your fellow Christians and are you going to grow in your faith this year? I would challenge all adults to make those meetings just two times a month a priority because if we gather and if we grow, then the fall is going to be much better. It's wise to make commitments. We're going to encounter God in his word. Our fall theme is called New Normal, Finding Faith in the Fog. And men, we're going to talk about what men are struggling with. And listen, men are struggling. Women, we are going to talk about women and what you're struggling with. And listen, women are struggling. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people recently where they just go on and on about how hard life is right now. And then I say, do you realize you're like the 10th person who I've talked to this week who's saying the same thing? Really? I'm not alone? No! It's crazy out there. And you need to be around other people because it's wise. Do you also know that Awana is kicking off? And Wednesday nights, we have ministry for children. Students are kicking off tonight. And I want all students here with their parents tonight. It's going to be a great way to get uh, out of the house and to focus on spiritual priorities. 
Hey, now is the time to establish your fall spiritual commitments. Are you ready to rescue the time before it gets away from you? Are you ready to buy it all up before it's all been squandered? Now's the time to make those decisions. And it says we have to do this because, verse 16, the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you think 2020 is done with us yet? Do you think 2020 is just going to sit on the sidelines and leave you alone for the rest of the year? My goodness, it's an election year. And if you think you're in bad shape right now, wait till December rolls around. If we don't make those spiritual commitments now and use our time wisely, we are going to be in shambles by the end of the year. But now is the time to decide, and the days are evil. You know that. There's so much unrest in the land and lawlessness, and the world is devouring itself with bitter arguments. People hate anyone who disagrees with them today. And Hollywood just continues to produce more and more filth for the eyes. Big news last week was Netflix was releasing a program about 11-year-old girls, highly inappropriate activity. Over a million people signed various petitions in protest, and many canceled their subscriptions. Why? Why? Because they should know better. That's why. Because the days are evil. And if we don't make our spiritual commitments for the fall, guess what? The world has an agenda, a multi-billion dollar advertising agenda to capture your time this fall. Hey, have you made your spiritual commitments yet? When it says the days are evil, it means they're opposed to God. And if we aren't careful, we will fail to follow the will of the Lord and we'll wander off into the darkness too. Hey, don't be foolish. Know the will of the Lord. Make the best use of your time. And then it goes on to show us how we can do that. It says this in verse 18, don't get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So number one, we wrote down walk wisely. Number two, make the best use of the time. Number three, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a don't here, don't get drunk, and I would just caution you if alcohol or substances of any form are continuing to grow and you need them daily and they are radically altering your state of consciousness, the Bible is saying, don't, don't, that's not the wise walk for you. We're not talking about people who are treating real diagnosed issues with pain. We're talking about people who are finding poor, unhealthy coping mechanisms and this year, more than ever, is going to squeeze you into thinking that that is the way out. Hey, be filled not with that. Be filled with the Spirit of God. That's the way that we find the presence of the Lord. You know, I didn't get saved until I was a freshman in college. And I, we grew up going to church a few times a year. I was aware of faith, but I didn't really take it seriously. And so... You know, my story of faith is I'd, we'd go out every weekend and we'd be partying. We'd be in the forest preserves. We'd get some beer and, you know, we'd be drinking out there. And, and shockingly, that's where God met me because we were out there in the forest. And I'd 
Sometimes I'd be drunk, and we would be having these great spiritual conversations of whether or not God is true and real, and right there, just like slugging it out, you know, the best we could. Somehow, God met me there, and then the day came where I realized that I was a sinner who was going to hell, and I knelt down next to my bed. It was the, uh, it was the 90s, and so I still had a water bed from the 80s, all right? How many of you had a waterbed? I knelt down next to my waterbed and I gave my life to Christ and repented of all my sins and he saved me. And guess what? I put all that stuff behind me. No more drugs, no more alcohol because I was filled with the spirit. No more drunkenness. The spirit of God will empower you for the Christian life. When it comes to God, we have to realize that we are called here to worship the one true God. So it's not just any old God, and it's not just believe whatever you want. Listen, it's the Father in heaven and his Son, Jesus Christ, and the eternal Spirit, God in three persons. That's the God we're called to worship. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's impossible if you worship a God of your own making. We are called to be filled with the spirit of the one true God. And the way that works is if you believe Jesus is Lord, who stepped down from eternity into this world and lived the perfect life and died on the cross and rose again on the third day in glory and rules heaven right now with billions of saints singing his praises, then you have been saved and you are filled with God's Holy Spirit. That happens once in your life where the Spirit comes and takes residence in you, the Bible says you become a temple of the living God. Once the Spirit is in you, He's in you for good. But here's the thing. If your relationship with God gets sour, then you can be emptied of the Spirit. It doesn't mean He leaves you. It means He's grieved by the way you're living. And if you seek Him, then He will fill you with His presence and fill you with His power. We all know what it's like to have somebody, a family member, and then we have a blow up, right? And we're not good with them. And you can be close to them, but you might as well be on separate planets. Am I right? The distance between two people who are connect could be so far. That can happen with you and God. You can be emptied of his spirit if you're a Christian who is walking in disobedience. Or you can be filled with his spirit if you are wise in how you live. And maybe you feel like you've been drained of his presence. Maybe you feel like you've been drained of his power. Well, you're not alone. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, once said this, I need a continual infilling of the spirit because, well, I leak. Well, I leak. And maybe you feel the same way, far from God. Have you been leaking? Have you been farther from God, feeling more alone and anxious? Well, will you fill up spiritually as we head into the fall? How do we do it? Well, it says here that we're addressing one another, verse 19, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So the psalm book was mainly written by David and other, uh, other writers from that time. But the psalms were the uh, hymns of the Old Testament. Many of them were set to music. And so this was the worship book of the Old Testament. They're very poetic and artistic, and they, they told about the glories of God. But they're also found in the Word of God, and so they are worthy of study. So if you want to fill up with the Spirit of God, that's directly tied to your ability to know God's Word, to be in God's Word, and then you will be filled with the Spirit. And then you also respond with song, the psalms, the hymns, the spiritual songs. It's not just a factual journey. 
you are actually overflowing with joy because of what you're learning about the one true God. It's bringing you to song because you love God. You're not just full of his truth. You're full of love for the one true God. So we fill up through gratitude, through praise and worship. And let's just observe that worship here is essential to the soul. And it says that we are to do this together, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Then it says, verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ. Getting together in worship is essential to the soul. And I want to call all of us to make our commitment again to being at church on Sunday morning for worship. Whether you have to attend online or in person, many studies have been done that show that churches are seeing maybe 30, maybe 35% of people who've come back, and the vast majority of people who were worshiping online just don't do anything anymore. Friends, we're going to be tempted to just drift, to just wander, to just, to just have a little pillow time on Sunday morning, a little us time, a little comfort time, a little, and we have to make sure that we are recommitting ourselves to Sunday morning worship. Let me also invite you to times of prayer and fasting. There's no better way to recharge your spiritual life than to say, God, I'm going to give you my full attention. I invited the church last week to devote some time to prayer and fasting. And if you didn't get a chance to do that last week, I would love for you to do it this week. Take a day and say, I'm going to, rather than eat, I'm going to open the book of Psalms and I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to pray to God for my church and my family. If you've never fasted, fasting is, uh, somebody once said that fasting in, in prayer and prayer is almost like lifting your hands in worship. When you lift your hands in worship, it's like you're really showing God how much you love him. And, and when you fast and pray, it's like in your heart, you're lifting up your hands and saying, God, I really want to meet with you here. So I'd love for you to carve out some time this week to fast and to pray. And uh, I know it can be challenging with crazy schedules. We've got two teenagers at home, and then our other daughter's off to college. And so Lauren and I found some time while we were praying and fasting this week. And we're like, all right, we've got some time. Let's just pray right now. You know, uh, kids weren't home, and then the dogs kept bothering us. The puppy kept coming up. He wanted to bite us. He wanted to whine. He wanted food. He wanted to walk. And I, you know, we know the Bible says that Satan can tempt animals too, right? I mean, there are demonic possessions of animals in the Bible. And we were like, get out of here. <laughs> so we got the dogs under control. Uh, but then we just enjoyed a time of prayer together. And hey, I would just challenge you to do that, to enjoy a time of prayer together uh, this week. Then you will be filled with the Spirit. And let me talk to those of you today who maybe are wondering, do I even have the Spirit of God in my life? Some of you came today or are watching online, and you have not been walking wisely. In, in fact, those closest to you, if, if they were asked, is this person a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Those closest to you would all say no. And the people closest to you know you best. And if in your life you have not been walking with Christ... If Jesus has meant nothing to you, then maybe God brought you here today 
or tuned you into this service online to show you that you don't yet have his Holy Spirit in you. Hey, listen, going to a church when you're growing up doesn't get you the Holy Spirit. Going through some religious classes growing up doesn't get you the Holy Spirit. Going through some routines or some sacraments or some rituals or some classes or standing up, that doesn't get you the Holy Spirit. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ gets you the Holy Spirit. When have you stood up publicly and said, Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm not ashamed for everyone to know it. Maybe Jesus is showing you today that he wants to save you. He wants the very spirit that caused creation to come into being to be your source of power and energy. But if you don't know God personally, then you have to repent of your sins and invite Jesus to save you. Hey, is today the day? Is today the day you run to the cross and say, I need a savior, I need a Lord? Is today the day that you say, I've been living without God. I've been walking my own way as a fool. But now, here and now, I follow God's word to the cross, to the Savior, to the one who died for me. Well, I want to invite you today to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. There's no such thing as a magic prayer. It's a simple cry from your heart to the God who made you and loves you that forms a relationship between you and him. You realize that you have to come to faith in Jesus Christ at some point in your life. Your parents can't do it for you, and it didn't happen to you at birth. So if there's never been a time when you've surrendered all to the Lord Jesus Christ, that has to happen. And maybe here and now is the time that you can say, Jesus, be my Lord. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, forgive all of my sins. I told a woman this truth once, and she was struggling, because she said, well, yeah, I pray a lot. I said, that's not what I'm talking about. She said, well, I've been to church my whole life. I said, that's not what I'm talking about. She said, what do you mean? And I said, well, imagine at the end of every week, God sent you a box with a full record of your sin. I mean everything you did or said or didn't do or didn't say, and it's a whole box. Then at the end of the month, the box is piled up so much that you needed a little storage facility down the road. And then at the end of the year, the storage facility was overflowing, and so you needed a warehouse. And then at the end of your life, you needed a gigantic warehouse with a record of your sin. I said, now listen, you maybe think you went through a few of them and took care of it with God, but there's so many. You can't just say here and there. And then she said this to me. She said, so God wants to forgive my warehouse? And I said, God wants to forgive your warehouse. And then she got it. And she prayed right then and there for full forgiveness. And she got baptized and told everybody about her faith in Christ. I want to invite you to ask God to forgive your warehouse right here and right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to be together and for the powerful truth that we've heard in the Bible today. We know that you are challenging us right now to look carefully how we walk. And what that means is that we realize that there is one God the Father and one Lord Jesus Christ, and that we are to submit our lives to him once and for all. Lord, I pray for those people who are here today who can't remember a time when they surrendered their lives to Christ. They can't remember a time when they confess that they are not worthy of your presence because they have walked their own ways. They've mocked your ways. They've neglected your word. And maybe here and now they're ready to ask for full forgiveness for everything, for the whole warehouse. Lord, in their own hearts, I invite them to pray this right now. You can pray this right now in your own heart, with your own words, saying this, Father in heaven, forgive me, for I have sinned. 
I confess that I have broken your word and that I have broken your heart. And here and now, I want to say sorry to you, God, for everything I've done. Jesus, I believe that you are the Lord and the Savior of all. And I invite you right here and right now to be my Savior and my King forever. Forgive me for walking in a foolish manner. I pray that you would teach me to walk wisely now and for the rest of my life. Jesus, I pray that you would wash away all of my sins, for they are many. And I pray that you would help me to be bold and courageous in telling others that I now live for you because you died for me. Father, I pray for any who are giving their lives to the Lord Jesus this morning. May you just rush into them with your spirit. Fill them with peace and joy and hope. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.